This is the Midlife Motorheads Podcast. Listen in as we talk about our automotive adventures in the shop, on the road, and at the track. So climb on in, tighten those belts, and let's go for a ride. We are the Midlife Motorheads. And now, broadcasting from Motorhead Central, somewhere in the Carolinas, is the hosts of the show, Gene and Trotty. So, Johnny, Gene and I were talking the other day, and your name came up, and we were, we were like, man, we haven't talked to Johnny in a long time, because we haven't been to track in a long time. So, we thought right. it'd be kind of cool to, to bring you on. So, Johnny, welcome to the show. Awesome. Thanks for having me, guys. Yeah, so, folks, this is Johnny C. from Nine Lives Racing, and uh, we're going to pick his brain today on a couple of things. Uh, we'll talk a little bit about data collection. We'll talk a little bit about Aero mm-hmm. on today's show. Mm-hmm. And, uh, Johnny, to kind of get us started, why don't you tell folks kind of where you're from and how you got started in uh, with cars? Oh, with cars, man, that goes way back. Um, so, originally from Chicago, uh, actually a little suburb town called uh, Woodstock, uh, Illinois. And I got started in racing, I think I was probably five, six years old. And I remember seeing a trophy in my dad's garage. And I just thought, like, wow, how cool it would be to get one of those things. And uh, I don't even know what it was for, not these days. But <laughs> I, just, I can still remember it clear as day is uh, just seeing one of those trophies. And I just really wanted to get one. And and that kind of started me down the path of, uh, of race cars, really. So how'd you first get started? Uh, so first, get, I started off on dirt bikes. Um, you know, started off with a little little Trail 100. And then a bunch of my friends had uh, had motocross bikes. And they would go out on weekends. And so I saved my pennies, got a job working on a farm, got myself a dirt bike. <laughs> you know, started, started hanging out and having fun with that thing. And, uh you know, that kind of moved to street bikes and I was all ready to do a track day and I ended up crashing the street bike and I had a, uh, a 350 Z and I was like, well, probably should try that out instead. <laughs> and, uh, and just, uh, went to my first autocross really. There's a little windy city Miata club up in Chicago that runs and probably still one of the best autocrosses I've ever been to was, was theirs. Um, and yeah, that just got me hooked, you know, or after the first, first couple laps i was like oh man i, I sure do love this i just have no idea what i'm doing and, <laughs> and so i uh i bought ross bentley's book um speed secrets and i just started reading and realized that wow this, this rabbit hole goes really deep deep and bentley's book i was uh just right down the rabbit hole I realized that the it gets pretty deep and uh just had a real interest for for motorsports and what it had you know to offer really very cool. Yeah, that's fantastic. Uh, I think my my start actually was uh, autocrossing as well, and then we got into carts after a while. So you started with autocrossing. How did you get to track days? Um, so I was doing autocrossing, and it was, that was kind of like the, the the stepping stone, right? So everybody that was doing autocrossing, and and frankly, I was getting bored at autocross. Uh, you know, it was. There wasn't much else we could do to the car that at the time that I knew of. Uh, there wasn't much, much more competition at the other crests. It kind of was. I remember fighting for a few tenths, and that's still being the, one of the most exciting things I've ever done in my life. 
Um, but after a while, those those guys kind of went track racing, and and I was kind of left by myself in my own little class, and I was fasting everybody else. And I got bored, so I was like, man, I need to I need to try this track day stuff out and see what that has to do, you know, what that has for me to offer, and uh, just started going that direction. That and uh, you know, signed up for a, like a track day. And uh, I realized that was a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun doing that, and uh, I just wanted to do more of it. And this was all all in uh, at home, of Indiana, or uh, in Chicago? Yeah. So that was all. Uh, yeah, that was all up north in uh, in that area. Okay. Okay. So then, so you did your track days. When did you actually start racing? Because I know you got a pretty uh, good racing career. Uh, racing, I didn't. It was a big there's a big gap between autocross and racing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, autocross was really competitive. And then I had a really hard, I had a real hard time developing as a driver, uh, to get to racing. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my car is really fast. I have a Miata with a V8 in it. And it, it was a big hurdle for me to get over the speed. Um, and it, I mean, heck I left Chicago and did my last autocross in 2010. I don't think I actually started driving competitively till 2013, 2014. Uh, the rest of it was doing the, the uh, you know, the, the NASA HPD process. You ran with NASA racing, or uh, what What other sanctioning bodies did you go with? Uh, I raced with anybody that let me. Um, <laughs> NASA, the... You know the the car is very the car that I drive personally is very unique, mm-hmm. um, and so it's not allowed in a lot of classes. So um, I remember showing up to a couple SCCA events and they were just looking at me like, you know, like why did you build that? <laughs> you know, so I wasn't I wasn't able to go there. This is way before SCCA time trials existed. Oh. Um, there was uh, yeah, so you know uh, Jimmy Day's organization. Mm-hmm. with ultimate uh streetcar challenge i was doing that um quite a bit uh you know yeah nasa was another one like basically anybody that allowed the car in i was gonna do it i gotcha and this whole hey, time oh i'm sorry gene go ahead this was a, a v8 miata yeah yeah so we started off um I, during the autocross thing i was watching the global time attack guys go or i think it was world time attack back then um and they were uh, you know, I go out to Autobahn Raceway in Joliet and watch them run, and I realized, like, wow, I got to have a lot of power to <laughs> to compete in these classes because all these guys got big turbos, you know, you know, big V eight stuff like that, and they all had a lot of power. I was like, man, I need to, I need to really go for it. And the Miata had, you know, a little little motor, and I was like, I don't really. Turbos aren't really my, my thing. I don't know a lot about them, but I do know a lot about V8. And so I was like, oh, I'll just stick a big LS motor in it. And uh, and ever since we put a V8 in it, it's been a complete backwards journey trying to make it stick and trying to get the car to settle down a little bit. Um, so it's kind of the opposite of what everyone else, how everyone else builds the car. We started with a grotesque amount of power first and then slowly worked backwards. Yeah. You know, I think I... I did sort of the same thing. Everyone says when you start listening to people, they say, you know, start with the car that is underpowered and handles well and learn how to drive and learn how to manage traffic. 
and you do those right. things, and then you can increase the power. And it sounds like you went full power and now you had to back off. So that this yeah. is, I think the reason we got you on a, on a phone today is we want to talk to you about, you know, how do you yeah. get better? And I think, you know, we first mm-hmm. started listening to you during those um, education programs at NASA and you were talking about yeah. data collection. So let's talk a little bit about data collection. And Johnny, you know, yeah. the, the guy that's out there, he's done a couple of track days and he's like, I want to get better. But instead of spending money on the horsepower, let's say he's going to spend it on data collection. Where do you start? So data collection is probably the fastest way to get faster and the cheapest way to get faster. Um, because you can spend, you know, getting a little, little track mate, little, uh, apex pro system or, you know, aim or anything like that. Um, getting that you, what, a few hundred bucks, you know, like 700, like the best ones, like 700 bucks. Mm-hmm. Um, and you know, a camshaft, putting a camshaft in your car is going to cost you probably more than that, you know, depending on what kind of car you got. But, um, but the data is actually showing you where you're slow. Um, one of the things that, uh, I'd like to, I used to like to do was draw out a picture of the mat of the track after a session. Um, you know, draw a, a picture of the map and I would realize that, uh, the turns weren't what, the turns on the paper weren't what they actually were in real life. Like in my head, I was, the apex was bigger or this turn was sharper or the straightaway was shorter, uh, kind of a thing. And I would write down on each corner what I was doing, what I was doing wrong, what I was doing right, um, kind of a thing. And if you got a little, you know, a little apex pro, you don't need to do that anymore. Now, so this thing's just sitting in your car collecting data. And as you pop it out, it's telling you exactly what you're doing right and doing wrong. So you're not relying on your memory so much and um, even though it's a good exercise still do but you know you can just look at it and in 20 minutes you can download you know entire days worth of driving so what exactly i mean just just think about you know uh like a de2 guy in nasa um Mm -hmm. may not even know what the data is what is the data collection device what data is it collecting is it braking acceleration you know, G's in the turn, what is it collecting? So the probably the two biggest things that I'll see it collect is straight line speed, you know, so actual, actual speed. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and I use that number a lot. Um, and probably lateral G. Those would probably be the two that I look at the most. Um, you know, aim kind of defaults to those two. And uh, I've learned how to use them pretty well. But speed shows you probably the most. Um, and, you know, especially for, like, I, I, while I'm driving, I, I know you're not supposed to, but I take a peek at my, my speed all the time, see what I'm at mid-corner, uh, yeah. or I look at my RPM post-corner to see if I've done that lap a little better. To see if, it, like, like, coming out of turn seven at road line, it's really tight. And uh, I'll take a peek down, and if I... I'm at 5,000 RPM by the time I get done with the rumble strip, then I know I've done better than the last one where I did 4,000 RPM. Like, oh, man, I picked up 1,000 RPM. Like, this is going to be a good lap <laughs> oh, <laughs> kind yeah. of a thing or bad. So, but as you can sit down, like, and that's momentary. That's something that you're not supposed to do. You're not supposed to look at it. You're supposed to pay attention to what you're doing. Um, but you can definitely download that later and look at it. And that's a much more safer alternative. Um, and, and again, you don't have to be like looking at a blurry needle. 
you got the number right in front of you. This uh, mythical um, DE2 guy that, that, that Trotty's talking about, and we know who it is. Um, <laughs> he is me. <laughs> what, if he starts using data acquisition, even these simple things that we're talking about or these basic things we're talking about, how, how much yeah. can he improve? Like in a weekend or throughout a season of uh, HPDE, well, that really depends. Uh, but it's because like putting a hard number on it is, is really almost impossible. But I can tell you that you will improve. You will, you know, very rarely. Like I've almost never gone backwards after looking at the data. Um, I might not have gone faster, but I have always, you know, worked out. Uh, some kind of way to to better myself and better my corner actors, you know, better the the way the car is handling. So uh, it, it's more of like, how will you better over a lifetime or over over a career? I mean, it's it's pretty important to do. To tell you the truth. Yeah. So you think um, even somebody who's experienced, who's had, you know, maybe a couple seasons of door to door handling, door to door driving. Uh, sessions and um, whether it's in HPDE four, which I contend is racing without a racing license, or yeah. uh, if you're, you know, actually doing door handle, door handle, flat out racing in these different series, yeah. you think those guys can improve as well? Oh yeah, absolutely. Uh, I mean, there's been a few times that you know, like working in the the pro level, uh, you know, guys would come up, they get their little. They get their printout of their Motec, you know, the little piece of paper uh, that gives them their session download. And, uh, you know, they're looking at the, the, the data right there, you know, um, you know, corner speeds. And then they got their teammates' corner speeds. And they're just kind of, they're like going, oh, hey, I'm slow here and he's fast here. And he drill, he's on the brakes faster in this spot. And, this, and I'm better on the gas in this spot. And so then they kind of work through it and try their best to make the team go faster. So, yeah, at every level, looking at that data is probably the first thing you do. Yeah. So when I'm looking at the data, do I try to try to do everything on a track, or should I concentrate in like one area? Say, uh, you know, a certain turn, or 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 just try to try to do everything at once. What would you recommend? Yeah. Well, you look at you look at the corners you have the most trouble with first. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and you, as I say that, you should be thinking for the exact turn. <laughs> you know, like, oh man, like my favorite track, the turn I'm terrible at. Right. Those most people do is they, when they try to make up time, they go to the turns that they're least scared of or the, the turns that they're doing the best at. And they focus all their attention on those and they overdrive those corners. But then the ones that they're scared at, they, they tend to back off. You know, I've noticed that because I, I am still in DE2, and I've noticed that being out with, um, you know, mm-hmm. you see the same people pretty much, you know, every time you go to the track, and, and, and a lot of times I'll follow uh, the same person. And you're absolutely right. They'll, uh, you know, some of the turns, uh, say like at CMP, because that's the track that's closest to us, you know, I, I feel very comfortable with. But I'll, I noticed that following them, that they really back off, like the kink, for example. You know, I'm very mm-hmm. comfortable with the kink, but it seems like yeah. a lot of the other folks, you know, they really, really slow going through there. So, um, yeah, I know exactly what you're talking about. Um, right. so, so you mentioned like an AIM unit. Is there some other ones out there? 
Uh, I think the the best thing for your buck right now is that track uh, Apex Pro. Uh-huh. Those guys are by you know just killing it as far as usability and ease of using the device. Um, you know, downloads to your phone. <laughs> you know, I got you. Yeah, I know there's uh, several. Aim, yeah, I bought an Aim before they existed, and uh, you know you got to get you got to get out your laptop and everything else. And I tell you. Well, how many times I remember my laptop? So never, you know. So it'd be really nice to have it just right on my phone, ready to go. Right. What about some of the apps like um, Harry's Lap Timer and some of those other guys? Track Attic, are they any good? Oh, uh, I mean, anything's better than nothing. Right. Uh, you know, there's. It's like having a. It's like having a lathe. You know, like any machine shop guy will tell you that any lathe is better than no lathe. Um, so it's going to be something along those lines, but as you develop as a driver, you're going to find the limitations of the really cheap ones. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, they're really cheap for a reason, you know, because it goes on a phone and, you know, inside of a car, it's really hot and phones like to turn off when they're hot, you know, kind of a thing or, you know, right. Or anything that we use the GoPro, <laughs> you know, cause GoPros like to shut off all the time, uh, that kind of stuff. So it's, um, you know, it's always a challenge, uh, but I mean, having one is better than not having one. Uh, but you you will eventually reach the limits of it, and then it's time to to jump up. Right. So. Um, have you happened to have any experience with that new Garmin product that came out this? I think it was what this year, beginning of this year. Yeah, yeah. So a couple of the guys on my team have have tried it, um, and that thing is pretty pretty powerful. Um. You know, they, they seem to really like it. I've had a lot of customers come up to me and point at it and say that, you know, they've, they've, uh, held this last weekend. We were trying out, uh, a suction cup wing mount kit. Right. Right. And, uh, it's by a company called Track, Track Wing. And it's just a two giant suction cups. <laughs> and it's in, it's for mounting a wing for people that don't really want to drill holes in their car. Like if you're thinking like a, a Ferrari or something like that. Right. Right. And, uh, we were thinking like, oh no, this is a great way for everyone. They don't have to drill anything, and they can stick it on there. And like, and he goes, look, I want three seconds lap faster with your wing. And I was like, oh, okay, that's pretty cool. Yeah. So it, it, it's a pretty immediate, you know, downloadable thing. Right. Um, so breaking up on me a little bit, Johnny. Johnny, I wonder if he's in a metal in a metal building. Might be. I still got him on the phone, Johnny. Why don't you hang up and call him back? Okay. Oh, you there? Oh, there you yep, are. Yep, here we go. There it is. <laughs> you in the metal building? In the shop? Uh, Damn, he's gone now. <laughs> All right. You back? Okay. All right. I got you. All right. There it is. All right. Sorry about that. Are you in a metal, metal building? Uh, I am, but we get really good service, really good signal here. Yeah, it might be in my end. I don't know because I'm in a metal yeah. building too. <laughs> <laughs> All right. All right. So we'll so pick we that. About, we were talking about the Garmin Catalyst, and you said that um, you guys had some pretty good um, experience with it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, it came out, worked out pretty good. We got our hands on one. We can't wait to get to the track and kind of play with it, but with COVID and these things that we have called jobs, we, we hadn't gotten to the track yet. <laughs> I got you. Yeah, absolutely. It's always a challenge. Yep. Well, man, let's, uh, 
change gears. Sure. <laughs> so, so if if we're doing this the right way, and you know we've we've got a a handling car, a momentum car, and we we're learning mm-hmm. how to drive, and we're using our data, and we're moving up, moving forward, kind of in the pack, and we're getting a little bit better, and now we want to improve the car, so we can we can dump in that LS three, or we can go Aero, and I'm thinking I'm thinking Johnny, you're going to talk to us a little bit about Aero. <laughs> okay. I hope so. I would like to talk to you about both, really, seriously. Yeah, yeah, Aero, absolutely. So tell us uh, what is uh, Arrow on a uh, a car, and and we're trying to keep it with basically stock cars, not necessarily the prototypes or anything like that. We we know what those are, um, right? Let's just talk about the typical track day car, you know, Miatas, BMWs, whatever you know, whatever we have. What are what are sure. some different types of Arrow devices, and what do they do? So. Different kinds of aero devices. Uh, the probably the two most popular would be the splitter and the wing. Um, that seems to be the the go to for everyone, and for good reason. Mm-hmm. Uh, the wing is it goes on the back, um, and it's an aero. It's a airfoil shape, and it manipulates the atmosphere around it uh, and creates a weight. Um, you know, anytime you're dealing with uh, race cars, you know you want more traction. And anytime you have more weight, you get traction. Well, with aerodynamics, you can get more weight without getting mass. Uh, so it's uh, it's a it's a push of pounds, you know, pushing down on your tires. Uh, but if you don't have any mass, then you don't get pulled out. Uh, you know, as your as centripetal force happens, it doesn't pull the car out towards the edges of the turn. Uh, but you get all the benefit of having extra weight on it. Um, and so the wing uh, grab, takes care of that atmosphere around it and pushes it down in a very efficient way. Uh, the splitter uses manipulates the air going around your body of your car, mm-hmm. and it um, creates a high uh, high pressure on the top and a low pressure underneath, uh, and it's differentiated mostly by your bumper. And that grabs the front of the car and generally pulls it down and the wing in the back pulling it down in the back. So those are the two most popular aerodynamic aids you can add to the car right now. When do you think people, amateurs, are going to start fooling around with um, uh, the air, you know, evacuating the air from underneath the car? Um, oh, so you're talking like diffusers and things like that? Yeah. Um, so that, that's a difficult Lots of gains to be had underneath the car, but when you talk about under air, under car arrow, everything changes it, right? So when I, your your headlight shape, your if you have mirrors or not, if you have, um, you know how big your radiator opening is, uh, you know the size of your tires, all of that will have an effect on your underbody aerodynamics. Um, you know I've seen. Uh, diffuse like diffusers uh, put that we've built that make great downforce uh, suddenly don't work because you change the tires or you change your offset on your wheels. Um, so it, it's it's a lot of work to get them right. Um, it can yield a big performance advantage, uh, but again, it's, you know everything is dependent on everything else. It's package. Yeah, yeah you were talking so before 
you're talking about before about changing a cam and, and there, there are people that change cams and then they forget about springs and rocker ratios and those kinds of things. And it, yeah. it can become a mess in, in a, in a short period of time. So, yeah, absolutely. So it's always something like, you know, something like that. <laughs> now I see most of the cars at track days that have arrow. You're right. Most of them have wings, but what about mm-hmm. uh, like a spoiler? almost like a NASCAR style mm-hmm. type spoiler. Does it, yeah, do, this, yeah, does it so, do the same thing as a wing? Uh, it, it, uh, it has the same job as the wing. I'll say it that way. Uh-huh. They, they both produce downforce in different ways. Um, so a wing, so the way you make downforce efficiently is, uh, by speeding up air underneath an object and slowing it down over the top. And so a wing shape, just its nature of its shape, has a big curve to it on the bottom and that will speed up the air on the bottom. And then it, of course it has a curve on the top, which kind of collects air on top and forces up and slows it down. So that differentiate that differential between the two is, is how the air acts and it'll actually pull it down. Now, uh, a spoiler sealed to the body kind of sticking up, you know, 45 degrees, like you'd see on Dale's car. Um, it will pack the air up on top. And it makes the, and it's down for, you know, it'll create a low pressure behind it, but it's nowhere near as much as like a wing. And so it's making it sound for by just packing the air up on top. Um, and the bad part about that is, um, is that that air can get packed up and then it can get packed up really high, higher than the car. Um, and the way you calculate drag is your, uh, coefficient of drag, which is all, whole science behind finding that number and multiplied by your frontal area, which is your silhouette of the front of the car. Uh, and what can happen is when that air gets packed up really high, that silhouette can get pushed up with it. So suddenly you have to count that air that's not moving. That's packed up real high above that spoiler, um, as your frontal area, which is a multiplication problem. So it's to get, so it can increase drag dramatically. Um, but it will make downforce. We've seen uh, spoilers make the same amount of downforce as wings. Um, you know, we tested the Corvette with one, one of those cam cars. Um, it made 200 pounds of downforce on a spoiler, uh, but it also made 200 pounds of drag. Um, and a wing making 200 pounds of downforce would be making maybe 10 pounds of drag. So it's the the big, big drag penalty to start using spoilers overweight. Gotcha. Yeah. All right. So, you know, the theoretical DE2 guy, he's, uh, he's ready to do some arrow. Can he just gotcha. go to eBay and pick one of those, uh, you know, $149 wings and accomplish what he, what he wants to do? Um, I mean, it depends on what you're looking to do. Um, you know, generally the eBay wings are built to, let's see, so an eBay wing is built to uh, mass produce, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the shape of them, uh, I think there's a $50 carbon wing that I see quite regularly. Um, and I can tell you the shape of it is more t- to make it easier to make than it is to make downforce because it's um, on the tail edge of it. It's like the wing has a little spoiler. It's, it's vertical. And what they're doing there is they're, they're skipping adding a bar into the middle of the wing and what they're doing is they're getting all the strength from the tail part of that outside wing shape so that way they can they can get away with having a an outside skin and inside skin 
Mm-hmm. Um, and like I tell you right now, it's having a spoiler on your wing isn't the most efficient way of building a wing. Um, <laughs> so it's, uh, you know, it, it's more like, like, like those guys are just trying to get something that fits into a box that's 55 inches wide that they can sell, you know, they can make for $25 in China and then sell for $55 more so than someone who's trying to get you to win on Sunday. Um, so that's kind of the, the, the world that you're in with eBay wings, right. uh, more so than like getting a motorsports wing. Right. So is it like a pair of shoes? Do you have to get fitted for it? You know, if I've got a late model Mustang that, that I want to take for, you know, mm-hmm. convert into a track car, yeah. is that going to be a very different wing than what we might strap on a, a 944 or a Miata or a Crown Vic for that matter? So I, I actually like that that motto of calling it like a pair of shoes. That's, that's pretty cool. I like that. Um, yeah, it, it, to a point, right? So, so like we can get away with using the same airfoil shape on most of the cars because we get them really high and we get them into as clean an air as we can. Um, if you need to have the wing a little bit lower or you want it to kind of function in some dirty air, now all of a sudden you really got to get that wing shape to the vehicle itself. So then it's like a big pair of shoes. Um, and, you know, we've done that for our, uh, you know, high-end customers. You know, we, we can build a wing shape built to the vehicle shape so that way it performs perfectly with minimal drag. Um, the easy button is to get a 2D wing. Like, like what we, like our, uh, you know, big wing kit with a 2D wing. And then you have to size it to put it up high into the cleanest air you can get and at that point the custom shoe part is the pylons you know how we build them we want to make sure that they're this tall to meet the the rules you know because every single wing kit we sell every pylon design is different there's no generic pylon design because we want to make sure that wing is perfectly at the rules um you know the wing width is perfectly at the rules for as wide as we can make the wing um and yeah, for that, it's like, uh, like getting it fitted for each car. And that's something, it, it's something that costs a bunch of money, but it's something that we do because we know at the end of the day, it's going to get us uh, a lot more wins at the end of the day. Uh, and frankly, all we do here is try to get our customers on the top step. That's the only thing we care about. Right. You know, when we ran the, the Crown Vic at, um, at Daytona and, and Trotty mentioned that, that you were following, how we were fabricating the uh, the front air dam. We put a, yeah. a spoiler on the back just because we had some Lexan laying around and we thought that we needed something that back there to, to hold the back of the car down because we'd re- removed so much weight from the back of the car. But um, we had a, in a group of drivers, we had actually a fighter pilot in the group and yeah. he told us he could feel the spoiler working like I guess transitioning in and out of the corners and things like that. So if, yeah. if we were to revisit the arrow on this uh, shoebox of a, a vehicle, where would we start? <laughs> uh, we easily start with that spoiler. Um, that's you know you look for the spot like when you're track driving, you look for the spot that you have the most to gain. Um, and sticking a spoiler on there will you know you can balance the car out, but you're going to get a big drag penalty. And any chance you can to remove drag, it's the same as adding horsepower um, because drag takes horsepower to move through the air. Um, so, 
know, if you've got a big drag thing on the car, you know, try to work on, you know, replacing it with something that has low drag, like a, you know, like a wing shape or something like that. If you have big, pokey out mirrors, you know, uh, try to get some, you know, some smaller ones to bring the mirrors in, inside the body of the car. Um, you know, just look for the big stuff first. Um, and then start slowly chipping away at it to get you uh, all the way there. Would we have to be above the roof to get into clean air? Not necessarily. Um, so like on our Miata kits, when we're running the uh, CFD on those, we are at the roof and we were within a few percent of our open air testing, which means uh, that open air testing is when we test the wing on itself, by itself with no, no, nothing else involved. Uh, and it spits out some numbers to us. And so with the Miata's wing being at the roof height, we were seeing we were within a few percent um, of that open air testing, which was pretty good. And that was, you know, that wasn't sticking up a ridiculous amount or anything like that. Interesting. We've come a long mm-hmm. way since the um, since NASCAR in the early seventies. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. You know, even the, you know, I, I used to work in NASCAR with uh, you know with the with PSC brakes and man, like the amount of development that's constantly going in that series. You know, you like to think that they're all staying the same and have been the same for years, but you know, the car is not the same from the first race to the last race. You know, it's, there's a lot of development in the shocks and the, you know, in the brake packages and the, you know, and the, just the, the general building of the car and how they put it together. Everything is constantly changing out. They're always looking for the little bit of advantage. So our recommendations for the average track guy is, you know, if he wants his eBay wing, it's really going to be for looks. If you want something at work, he needs to get something that's scientifically proven with your product, correct? Sure, yeah. And, and if you want a wing that looks like you spent fifty bucks, yeah, go to eBay. <laughs> you know, right. uh, I I couldn't, I never quite understood those guys. Yeah, I'm like I I know that wing's fifty dollars. <laughs> right, know? right. Like, I don't think you're you're not making yourself look cool. You know, right. Um, so yeah, if you want something that you want to win races on, it's it's like anything in motorsports. You find a guy. Mm-hmm. Always what I tell everyone. You always find a guy. So. Like, uh, people come up to me and ask me questions on shocks. Don't ask me questions on shocks. I'm not a shock guy. I don't understand them. Mm-hmm. You know, I don't know anything about camshafts. You know, in my history, I've been a brake guy at one point. Now I'm an arrow guy. Um, and that's all I do is I focus on that one avenue. So if you pick up a nine lives wing, you get me. And so I sit there and I will do whatever it takes to get my customers to the top step because that gets me above my competitors. Right. And if I have more people on the top step, then I have more people coming to me. So getting people winning is something that I put a lot of time and effort into. And any any guy in the industry will do, um, you know, if they're really serious about about you coming home with it as a champion. Right. But you you can't just bolt on a wing. Right. Because if you if you have you can. So you don't need to do something on the front as well to balance. Yeah. No. So. um you know, like uh, I was aerodynamics, the most humbling thing I've ever done. Uh, cause I thought for sure that was the fastest way was to, uh, bolt on a wing and a split, wing and a split and a splitter. Mm-hmm. Uh, then here comes GLTC, uh, the grid life touring cup. And they basically outlawed splitters. They didn't outlaw it, but they just put a heavy points penalty on it. And so people were just putting wings on the car. And I was like, man, you're so much faster with the splitter. 
And uh, so they put a splitter. A few of the guys tried it, tested it with the splitter. And the car didn't necessarily go faster with the splitter on it. Uh, but what it did do is it saved the tires. Um, you know, you, you end up chewing up your front tires a lot less with the splitter than you did uh, without one. Uh, but the lap times were just, were pretty close to the same. Um, you know, so it, it was one of those things where you kind of, like, yeah, you can get away with just the wing at any point. You know, we've seen guys drop three to five seconds a lap with just the wing. Um, and then adding a splitter just makes your car handle that much better and saves the equipment. Perfect, man. Perfect. Yeah. Well, listen, we're getting close on time. Um, so we're going to wrap things up. I've got a couple of quick questions. Gene, do you have anything else before I go into this? No? Yeah, Johnny, tell us how, how someone listening might get in touch with you to talk about wings. Yeah, so uh, if you want to do, uh, you know, you want to talk about wings, uh, get a reach out to us anywhere. Uh, we're on Facebook, Instagram, YouTube, uh, you know, Twitter, uh, anything like that. You know, uh, you can find us, just go to NineLivesRacing.com. Probably the, what most people do is Google us. Um, NineLivesRacing.com, shoot us a question, you know, down the bottom of the webpage or, you know, or surf through our how-tos or, or even just see our products. Um, that's usually the easiest way to get a hold of us. And, uh, and yeah, we'll, we'll be glad to help out everybody. Yeah, cool. So nine lives racing. How many do you have left? <laughs> I think the, the stickers say we got six. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right. That sounds good. All right, man, a couple yeah. quick fire questions, just whatever pops in your Hit mind. Me. All right. In your career, oh. which was your favorite track to drive on? I know Hard. what your home track is, but what was your yeah. favorite track? It's split. I'm split. Um, <laughs> I love, I love Daytona. Um, but I also I could lap Barber all day long until they kicked me out. Um, <laughs> like I don't think I'd ever get bored of Barber. Um, and Daytona was has always been a huge challenge for me. Uh, my first time in, in special motorsports, we won two Daytona 24 hours right in a row and i thought like wow it's easy and then i didn't win another one for like 13 years so um and then we won one this year so i broke the the curse but every time i go there it's full of excitement and ambition and and just a place i just want to win at so uh it's kind of a like professionally i'll say daytona for uh personally i go barber very good very good yeah how about a bucket list track could be anywhere in the world. Like, I, track. I really want to go there. I'd have to say spa. You know, I think just something, something about that place looks so just unique. I'd love to go there. Very cool. All right. Along with that, any car in the world. Be, hey guys, this is supposed to be rapid fire questions. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> You're taking a long time to ask the question there, Trotty. Any yeah, car. <laughs> any car. That you could drive on a track, what would it be? Hmm. Daytona prototype. I spent a lot of time working on those, and uh, with my head in the pedal box a lot, you know, Very always good. working on something on one of those, and I've never got to drive one. Very cool. I I do one of those in a heartbeat. Gotcha. Do you yeah. like your hot dogs boiled, fried, or grilled? Oh, boiled. Get out of here with your, <laughs> with your grilled stuff. <laughs> you boil it and you steam the buns. <laughs> over the top while it's boiling. Gotcha. 
Gotcha. Yeah, that's how they do it at Wrigley. <laughs> All right, man. Well, listen, I appreciate your time today. Um, learned a few things. Uh, hopefully, folks that are listening to this will um, will learn something as well. They'll reach out yeah, to you absolutely. at Nine Lives Racing on uh, on their website, your your Facebook page, whatever. Get in touch with Johnny C, um, and he yep. can help you out with that. So, absolutely. Gene, have anything else? Johnny, appreciate you joining us today. This is this has been okay. great. Very yeah, cool. thank you for having me. It's been fun. All right, man. Appreciate it. Thank you for downloading and subscribing to the Midlife Motorhead Podcast. Make sure to check out our main website at midlifemotorheads.com and all our social outlets, Facebook, Instagram, and YouTube.